San Antonio, Texas, when I was 18 years old. I was almost 19. And we were meeting at this woman's house. Her husband was a doctor, and he had no idea what I was about. But he said, okay, but I'm going to go to the club every Tuesday night. I'm not going to be here. And so that was fine. His, her, she was kind of glad to get him out of the house, actually, I think. And so we would meet. And the first night we met, all these people came in that she invited in. And I just noticed all this stuff with people. And it was really heavy and icky and gross in the room. And I'm kind of going, golly, where do I start? You know, I had never done this before. It was my first night. And I'm kind of looking at everybody's auras. And I'm looking at the stuff. And I'm, I'm going, well, what am I supposed to do with this? And so I made it through that night the best I could. And then I went home and I meditated. And I meditated and I meditated because I just wanted to get rid of all this stuff that I had kind of gotten stuck in with all these people coming in with all this sticky, ooky stuff. And so as it started to lift, one of my teachers came in on the inner levels and said, Here's an idea so that you have some freedom when you're sharing with these people because they have no idea what you're about and it's going to take you time to really bring them to a level where they go into full cooperation with what it is you're sharing where the spirit can come into alignment and really begin to speak from the collective consciousness of the group. So here's a way we can do it where they might begin to let go of things and begin to come into greater alignment quicker. Get a box and put a sign on that box. And on that box, write, leave your ticky-tacky things of the world here. All your cares, all your concerns, all your fears, all your anxieties, drop them in the box before you enter this room. And on the other side of the box, when they're leaving, write on there, if you want to leave it here, do so. And if you want to take it with you, be sure to pick it all up and take it with you. And so I explained to the group after they came into the room, I showed them the box and I said, next week you're going to see this box at the front door. And what this box is, is a symbol. Now, it's not going to be able to hold all your ticky-tacky fears and anxieties and mind stuff and emotional stuff. But I want you to just see yourself as you walk in the door, dropping all your cares of the day, all the world right here. Your husband, your wife, your children, your boss, your fears, your worries, all of it. Just drop it in the box and then come in the room. And know that it's at the front door waiting for you if you want them later. And if you don't want them, leave them there. And I'll take it home and we'll just see what spirit can do with it. So... I made my way through that next Tuesday, and then the next Tuesday I put the box there. And people walked in, and they did it. A lot of people actually saw the box, and they went, oh, okay. And they just kind of, I don't know if they literally consciously did it. I don't know how it happened. But when they walked in, it was different. It was different. And so we began to talk about the difference. And I began to ask people, well, share with me what's different tonight from the last two nights. 
what do you notice different about you right now sitting here? And it took a while, and then people started raising their hand and sharing a little bit. And, well, you know, I feel a little lighter, and I, I don't feel my stomach churning so much, and I'm not so concerned about what this person's thinking or, or about me or, or whatever it was. And so over time, as we did that, more and more people started sharing about how they really enjoyed coming to the Tuesday night class because they love dropping stuff in the box and leaving it there. And they actually found that if they left it there, it literally stayed there now. They walked out of the house and they got in their car and they still felt the same. They still felt as good then as they did while we were meditating and talking and doing practices together. And so some people started putting them in their home, and they had them at the front door. Well, it was interesting because of the reaction of friends and relatives as they came over to visit, and they'd see these boxes and they'd go, what? <laughs> and then they'd have to try to explain the boxes. But they said as they did that with their family and friends, they actually began to notice a difference in their relationships because some people were choosing to do that. And they found that they could have different conversations and different ways of being together. Now, you don't need to, to create a box, a physical box with a physical sign on it in order to do that for yourself. But I realized uh, a few days ago when I was getting out of meditation and I went to open the door, that there was something at the door that I had left there when I came in to meditate. Because I have a room that I go to meditate in every day. And I realized when I opened the door and there it was, that I was doing what I had started doing at 18 for these people. And as I walked in the door, I was just automatically depositing it at the, at the doorway, leaving those things there so that it didn't come into my meditation. And when I came to the door and I opened it and I looked out and there it was, I went, oh, you know what? I think I'm just going to leave you there for right now. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to pick you up right now. Let's see what happens today. Well, you know what, it, what happened was it followed me around. It followed me around the house. I went and I made coffee and I was getting my cottage cheese for breakfast. And it wasn't literally... But it was tapping me on the shoulder, hey, what about me? What about me? And I went, yeah, what about you? Go back to the door. I left you there. Well, but, but you know, you've never left me there. What about me? I, I want to participate. I said, no, no, go back to the door. We'll talk later. Well, it followed me around. I went and I cleaned up. I showered. I got dressed. And I started the day and I'm at the computer. And I could feel this energy. What about me? What about me? And I literally turned and I said, yeah, what about you? <laughs> and I said, well, 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 well. And I said, yeah, well, is that all you have to say? And it goes, well, what about me? What is this about me? And I go, yeah, that's what I want to know. You know, why do you separate yourself from me? Why can't we participate more? What's going on here? And... And then I realized something. This was a part of myself that 
I had gone into judgment about. And that judgment caused separation of this part of myself from myself. And so I looked at it and I said, okay, I'm going to take responsibility here. You're somehow either my creation or you're my lesson. And maybe you're both. So let's talk. Let's participate. And so I shut down my computer and I closed my eyes and I went inside and I invited it in. I said, come on in, let's just talk. And as it did, I became aware that it was a judgment that I had placed on myself. A judgment that now was this sense of separation. Well, over the summer, I gained 10 pounds. And as we got home from Hawaii, and I got on the scale again, and I looked, and I knew I'd gained 10 pounds. I knew I'd gained some weight, because my clothes were fitting tighter. They were more uncomfortable. And I was irritated with myself because of that. And when I got on the scale and I realized it was 10 pounds, I went into separation, and I went into judgment, and I went into complaining inside. And this little part was my complainer. And it was great that I left him at the door when I meditated because I didn't need a little complainer complaining while I was meditating because how was the cream going to rise to the surface if the complainer was ever agitating the milk? It couldn't. The cream couldn't rise to the surface. So fortunately, a habit that I had developed at the age of 18 was living almost unconsciously in me, and I was leaving it at the door. I wasn't bringing it into my meditation room, and I wasn't bringing it into my meditation. But I wasn't handling it as well. So I would open the door, and there was the irritation, and there was the anger about my 10 pounds, and, and the little complainer going, how could you do this to yourself? Now look what you have to put up with. How are you going to lose this weight? When are you going to do this? And so we sat down and we began to talk. And I said, you know, I don't need to hear the complainer. It's not going to work for me. I want to be in partnership with you. I want to be in loving with you. Can you love me? And the first thing it said to me, well, can you love the 10 pounds? <laughs> I said, oh, that's where we're going. Okay. So I said, okay, I'll love the 10 pounds. I'll love it. And it said, if you love it, then I can cooperate with you. Because if you love it, then you love me. And in loving, we can cooperate together and see how we want to do this. But as long as we're in separation, I'm not going to cooperate with you because you're not cooperating with me. And yeah, I'll stay at the door when you go in to meditate because that's what you want me to do. And you've got me well-trained. And you've got all of us well-trained that are a part of this. So come into cooperation with me, and I'll come into cooperation with you when we meet at the door again. And I said, you know what? From now on, don't stay at the door. Come in, and let's meditate with this. Let's let this be alive in me when I meditate. And I want to find the stillness in you. And I said, oh, I don't want that. I don't, I don't like the stillness. I'll stay at the door. And I said, no, you're coming in with me. We're going to find the stillness in you. And so the last few days, it's been coming in. Not so willingly. But I won't let it stay at the door. I'm not going to do it that way. I'm not going to avoid that part of me now. Especially now that I know it's there. 
I want myself to be whole. I want to be complete. I don't want the cream to separate from the milk, but there's a little bit of cream down somewhere still causing itself to be attracted and trapped in the milk because of the agitation there. I want all the cream to rise to the surface. Because how is the soul going to return back to God and the wholeness of itself if there's still a part caught up in the world, attracted in the world, trapped in the world? As long as there's a part of the soul that is attracted into the world, the soul is going to be attracted into the world. It's going to be trapped here. It's going to be caught here. And it can rise as high and high, as high as it could be in meditation. And it can travel all the realms, all the way up into the realms of soul. But it's still going to have an anchor in the world. And it's not free. It's just like a kite. A kite can go as high as the string will allow it to go. But it's still attached to the world. And so I want to be a kite that has no string, that has no attachment, that isn't trapped in the world. I want a kite, I want a soul that is free to fly as high as it can fly. And when it reaches into the highest of regions, it doesn't have to come back to the world anymore. And it doesn't have anything attracting it down or pulling it back down here. And so I invited that part into my meditation. And so for the last few days, it's not been the greatest meditation. Because I sit there and I can get real still, I can get real quiet, and everything is beginning to come quiet enough to where the cream rises to the surface, the soul begins to gather to the seat of the soul. But now I'm aware of this other little thing that is the string that holds the kite to the world. And that part doesn't want to be still. It doesn't want to let go of the soul element of itself. It's still irritated. It's still agitated. And so what I'm doing now is I'm going into it. And I'm not demanding it to be still. I'm loving it. I'm not asking it to do anything. I'm accepting it. I'm not doing anything with it other than loving it. And in that action, it's starting slowly to come into alignment with the fullness of myself. It's starting to find where it fits into the puzzle of who I am. And as it comes into alignment, I know that there will be a time where it also will come into the stillness. And in that stillness, that element of soul that is in that will also rise to the surface and I will be able to fly even higher. So that's what meditation is about. It's about letting the milk come quiet, that the cream can rise to the surface. Letting the consciousness come still and quiet so that the soul can remove itself from the material world from the physical body and rise to the seat of the soul and look out that doorway and see the realms beyond. And as it frees itself more and more,
from the material and gathers its fullness, then the soul can travel out that door and begin to travel into the realms beyond this one and up into the spiritual realms. And that's what this is about. Now, when I was praying as a child and began to meditate, once I understood the action of meditation at the age of 18, I began to th think that I had to do all these things to make meditation work. That, you know, meditation was work. And I had to work it. And I had to do it. And it was going to be hard. Because that's what I heard from other people. And so that's how I approached it. And people would complain about their meditations and, and be upset that meditation wasn't something that they wanted it to be. And so I thought, well, that's what I've got to do too. And so I would approach it with a difficulty, with a hardness, as a challenge. And as I did, I found myself getting further and further away from that stillness that I had found in prayer as a child. And that I had approached spirit with all my life up until this time where I began to hear at the age of 18 from my spirit, first physical spiritual teacher about the action of meditation and began to find myself moving into separation because I wasn't living in the stillness. I was living in the difficulty, in the challenge, in the struggle that I thought meditation was supposed to be. And so as I sat there one day, a teacher came to me, the same one who talked to me about the cream, and said, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm meditating. The hell you are. This isn't meditation. I said, well, then what am I doing? He says, that's what I'm asking you. What are you doing? And I go, well, I, I thought that this was meditation. I thought I had to, to, to fight my way into heaven. I had to get there. I had to make it happen. And he said, no, you don't. What have you been doing up until now? And I said, well, up until now I was praying. And he said, and so what is meditation? And I go, well, meditation is where you hold your focus and you got to wake up and you've got to force your way in and, and you've you got to let go of everything in the world. And No, 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 he said. It's just like your prayers. It's stillness. What have you always been doing? What did we tell you about the milk and the cream? And I went, oh, the milk and the cream. And ever since then, I've paid attention in my meditation. And I see if the cream rises to the top. And I can feel it. Have you ever really felt whole cream? It's buttery. You can really feel the texture of the fat in the cream. It's smooth. It's silky, silky smooth. It's a wonderful feeling. And that's what it would feel like when my cream would rise to the top, when my soul would gather itself here. It was silky smooth. It was soft. It was comfortable. It was gentle. And if you've ever tasted whole cream, there's a richness to its taste. And that's what my soul is like. There's a richness to it. I can taste it. I can feel it. I can smell it. 
It's, it's, it's a wholeness. And when it isn't whole, I know it. I can feel it. I can taste it. I can sense that it's not whole. And I also know what that milk feels like. Milk is thinner. It's more liquid. It's waterier. It doesn't have that silky feel to it. It's wet, but it's not silky. It's not with the fat, the fiber of fat in it. And that's how this body is. The material world is watery. It really has nothing to it. It's got a little bit of color. It's got a little bit of substance. But there's nothing there. There's nothing there. I mean, you can't hold it in your hands very long. It finds its way out of it. No matter how well you can put things together and try to hold it, it finds all the little openings and it seeps on through and it's gone. And there's nothing there. And that's how the material world is to me. There's nothing really there. There's no substance to it. But the cream has substance. It has body. It has wholeness. And so does the soul. So I began to go back into the stillness, realizing that I wanted to feel that silky smooth element of my soul. And so as I began to hold the stillness once again in my meditation, I realized there was nothing else I had to do. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know the divine. Be still. That's all I had to do was be still. And God does the rest. The soul does the rest. We do not have to do a thing but be still so the soul can gather itself together. And the soul knows what to do once it has come together once again in its fullness. Once it has gathered together in its loving, in its truth, in its awareness, it can then move into action. No longer is it trapped in the physical world by the stirring of reaction. It is free. It is free to live in action now. And the action it knows to do is to go back from which it came. It knows to go back from which it came. And that's all it's longing to do all the time. It wants to let go of the body and to go back into its own source, which is God. It wants to return back to the realms of spirit. But in order to do that, it has to come into the fullness. It has to gather itself fully and go up in the wholeness of itself. It will not leave a part of itself behind. And so I have found that in the stillness, the soul knows what to do from there. And all I have to do is wake up into the soul that I am. And then in that awakefulness in soul, the soul begins its journey home. It's a natural process. There's nothing you have to do or figure out. It's a natural process. Now, there's something that I have found with a lot of people in the world that causes that process not to take place. And that's judgments. Judgments that they placed upon themselves and judgments that they placed on others. But mostly it's judgments that they placed upon themselves. And those judgments are what separates them from 
being in the stillness and waking up into the divine that they are a soul. Those judgments cause us to believe that we now have to do things differently in order for God to see us as worthy beings. God doesn't want an unworthy soul. So now I've got to do all these things differently in my life in order to get everything to line up so that God will accept me coming home. That's not true. The soul is perfect, whole, and complete in and of itself. It cannot be corrupted. It cannot be harmed. It cannot be killed. It is perfect always, always, because it is God. It is divine. It is living love. And living love cannot be tampered with. It cannot be altered or changed. It remains the same forevermore. And so it is for us just to allow the soul to return to its own nature of loving and then let loving lift it back to God. And that's what happens. God created the soul so that God could be in action in loving, could move that loving into action and have something to love. So God projected himself into creation as soul so that he could love soul and that soul could love God, its creator, and that loving could be in action. Loving could be in motion. And that's what we are. We are that which God created, that God could put loving into action in us, through us, around us, and that that loving could be returned to God as we begin to look up once again to our true source, to our Creator, and participate in that action of loving. And it is just that, that once the soul gathers unto itself and wakes up into itself and looks up, it begins automatically to move into that loving action. And it is that loving river, that movement of love, that begins to lift the soul up and back into the heart of God from which it came. So that's why I ask of you to, in your meditation, look up, look up. One, it begins to hold a focus where the soul can begin to collect itself back to the seat of itself, to the seat of the soul, to the spiritual heart. And two, I ask that in looking up, you also share your love with God. You share your love with God and you be open to allow God's loving in, to be receiving of God. So you're in the giving and the receiving. You're in the divine flow of love. That's the movement of the Holy Spirit. That is grace. That is the sound current, the audible life stream, the path of sound and light. That is the path from which we came out of the heart of God in which we return. Now when I say that, it's a strange statement to say that we came out of the heart of God and we return there. And at the same time, you also hear me say over and over again, one day you're going to wake up and realize 
that you never left the heart of God, that you've always been there. So how could it be that I say that, but then I also say that you left the heart of God and now you're going to return? What? It's just an illusion. That's exactly it. We have gotten caught up in the illusion of separation. We have gotten caught up in the things that are not real, and we believe them to be real. It's illusion. We never left the heart of God. We just happened to look out from the source and believed what we saw outside of itself. And we have been ever living the great dream of separation. But we've never been separated. And all we have to do is wake up and realize we never left. We've never been separated. And what is there we have to do? What do we have to make right? How do we, why do we have to be worthy of God's love if we're already in God's love? In truth, all we have to do is wake up. So in the stillness, that is our role. That is what we are here to do. Be still and know that I am. If you be still in your meditation, if you be quiet, God does the rest. God begins to love you. As you allow that loving in, you begin to be inspired to love God in a greater way. And you begin to feel the movement of loving in you and through you. And you begin to feel the loving not just move through your soul, but to be in action with your body and to move through your body. And your body begins to respond to that loving. And every part of you begins to love God in a way that you've never loved before. And all of a sudden you find that there's nothing you have to do but be in God's loving. There's nothing you have to do. Now, it's very interesting. A, few, a couple of years ago when we were in England, we were putting a workshop together. And we had no idea how many people were going to come because we don't do registration. We don't do number counts. We don't try to figure out how many people are coming ahead of time. So we don't know if it's seven or 70. We have no idea the number. And we were there and uh, in, in a little gathering, and this woman said, well, you know, you need me to start calling people. You need numbers. You've got to get registration. You've got to get people signed up. You know, you, I can do this. I'm really good at this. And we looked at each other, and we looked at her and said, but that's not what we do. This isn't about numbers, and this isn't about money, and this isn't about... The, the quantity or filling a room, this is about if God wants to be here, God will be here. And if God doesn't want to be here, then God won't be here right now. And she looked at us like we were crazy. Because to her, it's about numbers. You know, we've got to have 60, 70. We've got to fill this room. You know, how, how do you know you're going to fill it? And we said, we don't care if we talk to five people or 50. We're going to share with whoever shows up. And she just could not get it in her mind that, that that's what we wanted to do. So she pushed a little bit more and she pushed a little bit more. 
until finally the event happened and there was no more time to push. And that's how we work. We're not concerned about numbers. We are here to be vulnerable and available to the divine in every one. And when the divine in someone is ready to return home, they will be attracted to this. They will come in because it is time for them to hear something, to know something, to practice something, to begin the return. And it's really up to the God in them to stir them awake and to stir them into action and to stir them to come present into the path of sound and light. It isn't up to us to advertise. It isn't up to us to get registration. It isn't up to us to get them to, to pay for something. It's up to us to be available, to be of service, and let God do the rest. And it's, it's, it's interesting because we approach the day of an event, and literally, we do not know if it's going to be 5 or 50, 7 or 70. We have no idea. And we walk in, and we're always amazed. And sometimes it's 16 people, and we're just amazed and happy about that. And sometimes it's more. And once in a while, it's less. And that's just fine, too. And people look at us like we're crazy. Because we're happy no matter what it is. We don't care. Because we're here to serve the divine. We're here to serve the spirit and the soul. Not the body. And not the numbers. And not the money. And that is something to pay attention to here. We are here for you. Not you the body, but you the soul. You the divine. Years ago, when I was a child, that's all I saw in people was the divine in them. Everywhere I looked, I saw the same face. I saw God in them. And it wasn't until I was growing up that I began to see the individual faces of the ego manifesting. And I began to lose sight of the Divine One, the Sacred One, the One that we are all one in. And then as I began to enter into this spiritual journey once again of serving, I began to see the Divine in everyone once again. And God gave me a dictate, gave me something to hold in my consciousness. And God said, see the divine in all things and in everyone. And hold the divine for all things and for everyone, that they might wake up into that. Do not see their personality and ego. Do not see their struggle and their strife. Do not see their anger and their fear. See their loving. See their joy. See their peace. See their divine. See their oneness with all that is. And hold that for them. That one day, one day, they too will know it for themselves. And they will let go of the belief of all the other that they've been holding to themselves for so long and separating themselves from that which is their loving by holding to the other that is not true. 
And so that is how I've always approached people, is seeing the divine in them. And so I've approached this pathway of initiation the same. And that is my commission now, as one who initiates people on the path of sound and light, is to hold the divine in me for you. What I see in you is my oneness, is my soul, is my divinity. I see that in you. I know that in you. That is you. And I hold it in me until you hold it in yourself. And then as you hold it in yourself, we merge into oneness. We come together as one. And in that oneness, we will live then eternally. That is what I am holding for. And you can come to me with your anger and your frustration and your fears and your separation and your lack and your, your guilt and your complaining and your blaming. And you can blame me and you can blame others. And I'm going to hold the loving for you because I know that that's who you are. And that's who I'm to hold in me for you until you hold it for yourself. And I hope that in some way I become a divine mirror, a mirror where you can begin to see your own sacredness, your own holiness, your own inner light, your own truth, your own loving, your own wisdom, your own grace. I hope that I can hold a divine mirror up for you so that you can see the face of God in you as I see it in you now. That is my commission. That's all I have to do. I don't have to convince you of anything. All I have to do is share with you your divinity. And what you do with that is what you do with it. So this isn't about numbers. This isn't about anything other than the divine. And you waking up and realizing the divine that you are. So that we can live in the oneness together. And that's a wonderful place to live. Where there is no more you and me. There is one. There may be many bodies in the world, but there's one spirit. One spirit in all that is. And so it is today when I was talking to the tree divas and sharing with them, I wasn't talking to tree divas. I was talking to God. I was talking to God in them. The God that is the life, that is the manifestation that was in those trees, that gave it life, that was now going to move on and be life in another form, in another tree, or another plant, or move on into the animal kingdom. I was seeing God in those divas, and I was sharing from the God in me to the God in them, that they might wake up and be able to move quicker and move faster and move up into their evolutionary process. Now, when I talk to you, I'm not doing that. 
I'm not talking to you that you might move quicker and faster and move up in your evolutionary process because I don't want to do evolution. I don't want to do the evolutionary process with myself or with you. I want to do the straight and narrow path. I want to return home to God quickly, easily, simply. I don't want to go through all these cycles of incarnation and reincarnation and whatever else that might be. I don't want to go on the wheel of 84, 84 million times and beyond. I want to get off that wheel of 84 and go right to the center and go straight up. I don't want to ride that Ferris wheel going around and around and around wondering when are they ever going to stop this thing so I can get off. I'm going to go to the center and go on up quickly. And that's the path of meditation that is the path of sound and light. It's a straight and narrow path. It's a path of simplicity, of grace and ease. And that's the path that I talk about. That's the path I share with you. Now when I talk to the divas, I had to talk to them in the path of evolution because that's where they are. They are not at that place in their own evolvement where they can enter into the path of sound and light. That is not their place. This is not their time. They have much more experience in this creation before that ever comes about. But there are souls in the world that are ready to let go of this world, to let the milk come still, that the cream might separate and rise to itself. And that as it does, God can reach down with a great hand of love and scoop up that cream and bring it back to itself. And so that's what we are about. That's what we are doing. That's my commission. That's my mantle. That's my purpose. And that's what I live here to do. And I hope I continue to, sh to do that with you, to share that with you, to be that with you, to hold that for you. And I know that there will be a day where we will all wake up together know each other together in the oneness. And we will look down and we will go, well, that's done. What's next? I know that that will happen because it's already happened. We've already done it. In a great place in the realms of spirit, we've already all looked down and said that. But you still believe you're separated from that. You do not know that. So I'm ever here to remind you, you've already done that. Wake up. Stop living your illusion. Stop looking in the world and go inside. In 1983, I gave a talk before a, a, a very big group called the Coptic Fellowship International. There was probably about three or 400 people in the room. And the talk was, the only way out is in. And the only way out of this world is to go inside. So many people complain, I just want out of here. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. Well, the only way out is in. Sit down, close your eyes, go within, 
Be still and let God do the rest. God in you, the soul in you, knows how to get home. You've just got to let it go. Let it do what it knows to do. You know, I remember one time I was out on the farm and I was out herding the cattle and I was out by myself and I was on a horse and this horse decided to, to buck up and teach me a lesson. And he was always trying to see if he could be in control. And he knew, he knew he was in control, but I, he always let me have the belief that I was. And every once in a while he would just put me in my place if I didn't do something right. And so he would rear up and try to throw me off. And so this one time, I usually would just hold on and, and until he would settle down and then we would get busy again. But this one time I really got frightened because of the way he was doing it and, and the rocks that were next to me. I thought, boy, if I fall, I'm going to fall on them. So he came down and I immediately started getting off. And he reared up again, and as he came back down, I got off. And he ran off, and he stopped, and he looked back at me. And so I walked over towards him to take the reins and to get back on. And as soon as I got close to him, he ran off over here. And he looked at me, and I started walking over, and I realized, okay, this is not going to be a game I'm going to win. <laughs> so I just decided I'm going to walk home. So I started to walk home, and he came and he walked in front of me, like, well, come on, get on me, I'll take you home. And I just walked on around him. And so he just started running off. He ran off and he went on home. And he knew his way home perfectly well. Any horse knows his way home if he has been back and forth enough. And so he just ran on home. Well. A little bit later, here comes the truck. They thought something had happened because the horse got there and I didn't. And so I got to ride home the rest of the way because it was, it was several miles away, this, this particular field that they owned that the cows were on. And so uh, I realized something in that day. You know, just as the horse knows its way home, so does the soul. So remember that and allow that. Allow your soul to go home. It knows the way. All you have to do is to participate. Go for the ride. So thank you all. And we'll see you all next Tuesday. Yeah.